Thanks to Sprout Social for supporting this episode of Market Foolery. Sprout Social offers businesses an intuitive platform to help build meaningful relationships at scale on social. To learn how your brand can create real connection, visit SproutSocial.com/fool today. It's Wednesday, June 19th. Welcome to Market Foolery. I'm Chris Hill. Joining me in studio today from MFAM Funds, Bill Barker. Thanks for being here. Thanks for having me. We're going to talk RVs. We're going to talk toys because we've got some legitimate drama in the toy industry. We're going to start with Adobe. I feel like almost any business that's in the cloud business is doing well. That's not to knock Adobe and their management, but you know, Adobe's second quarter revenue was up 25%. Their guidance was a little weaker than I think some analysts were looking for, but that's not stopping the stock. It's up another 4% today. Yeah, it uh, is continuing to do a great job growing, compounding uh, year over year. Uh, it's on a pretty good five-year run, I would say. The segments, digital media was up 22%, digital experience 34%, publishing 12%, so all three uh, of the major uh, parts of the company growing at uh, better or significantly better than you know double-digit range. Do you know historically if Adobe is an acquisitive company? It does seem like obviously you've got behemoths out there like Microsoft and Amazon, just to name two, who are in the cloud business. Uh, it, it. I mean, you know, my joke at the top aside, it, there are definitely some smaller players, and I don't know if if part of what has fueled Adobe uh, for the past few years is uh, being strategic with smaller acquisitions and uh, and just sort of bringing them into the fold. Yeah, it's uh, in large part uh, through acquisitions in 2018, uh, which uh, for those that can't do math was last year. You you look confused. For <laughs> I mean, of the two of us in the room, you're better at math than I am. So yeah, that's, that's fair. No, last year, yeah, one one year difference. Uh, Magento and Marketo, uh, and I don't know that I'm even pronouncing Marketo, Marquito, maybe uh, were acquired, and so they've been well integrated uh, into the platform and are contributing to that 25 percent annual growth. Uh, a little harder to grow uh, when you're at the size that Adobe is uh, at something approaching 25% without making some good acquisitions, uh, even in the, uh, you know, given how much uh, business is moving to the cloud, uh, even so, that this, that kind of um, growth needs, needs some acquisitions in most cases. Do you think that's why the guidance was maybe a little weaker than people were expecting, just because? There's only so much you want to telegraph <laughs> what you're going to be doing when it comes to acquisitions. Well, they have a history of being uh, pretty conservative with their guidance. So I think that, as you can tell from the market's reaction today, uh, basically people <laughs> are blowing that off. Nobody and, believes them. <laughs> yeah, it's like, yeah, that's nice. They're, they're giving some conservative guidance, and we know that given their history, and this is the kind of thing. That you only um, you know achieve over time is the belief uh, by the market that oh these guys are going to do better than they're saying. Let's move on to Winnebago. Uh, third quarter reports seem to be a little bit of a mixed bag, although uh, the profit margins appear to be improving for Winnebago. Um, and typically, when we talk about the RV industry, 
more more often than not, you and I are talking about Thor uh, Industries, not uh, not Winnebago. But Winnebago seems to be uh, doing a, a pretty nice job of late. Yeah, Winnebago, which is the name that people know best for RVs and is best known for the motorhomes uh, portion of the business, and so the towables. Uh, Side of the business is larger for the industry than the motorhome. So motorhome is the you know large vehicle like bus like structure uh, where the you know housing unit is all part of the the motor vehicle, and then the towables where you hitch something onto the back of of your vehicle. And Winnebago made a good acquisition uh, a couple of years ago, Grand Design, uh, which is a fast growing towable. And Winnebago really didn't have much going on prior to that uh, in the towable space. So, as uh, that part of the industry has been growing, Winnebago is now an active participant in in that growth and um, actually capturing market share in large part from Thor. So, you've got Thor, uh, which is the largest RV maker, just made a major acquisition in Europe. Uh, which closed last quarter, and then you've got Forest uh, River, which is owned by Berkshire Hathaway. Those two are, are far larger than Winnebago, which has now grown to about 10% of the market, and then there are a few scattered players that are not especially meaningful uh, beyond that. But Winnebago also has done what a lot of in uh, players in the industry are doing, which is diversifying into the marine segment. They uh, acquired Chriscraft, which uh, is Probably uh, known to to many as a designer of beautiful wooden boats um, that are uh, sort of timeless and elegant, and um, that's a a good thing to do is to have some diversification because the RV industry ran into a lot of trouble uh, last year when dealers overstocked early in 2018, and a year later they're still. Working down um, the overstocking, and so uh, Winnebago's numbers on their face are not great, but they are pointing to um, some brighter days ahead, as everybody in the RV space has been doing for a while. The acquisition that Thor made that you mentioned in Europe is uh, is that a diversification play, or did they, or is there some RV maker in Europe? What, like I. In large part because of where I live, when I think of RVs, I just think of you know RVs here in America. I don't necessarily think of Europe as um, necessarily a big market, but I'm I'm happy to be proven wrong on that. Well, they're they're more in the smaller vehicles than you see in the U.S. They're you know in many parts of Europe, smaller roads, and not quite the um, car culture that we have. But they are a big camping culture, and so they're more sort of camper-sized things. Um, and yeah, there's a decent decent uh, part of, of the market that you can capture there. It is a diversification thing for Thor, um, and it's a good time to diversify, given the you know issues with the, the inventory for RVs here. But getting back to Winnebago, uh, they're pointing to, again, good growth in the towables from the Grand Design and uh, motorhomes itself uh, lagged. I think they were off sales were off about 30 some percent year over year, which a couple of years ago that would have been disastrous for Winnebago when they had not yet acquired a towable and a marine unit. 
Yeah, it's not. I mean, for as well known as the Winnebago brand is, this is not a big company. I think it's like one and a quarter billion in market cap. So, um, but it's nice to see that they're both diversifying their revenue stream and because of that, um, starting to improve their financial picture. Yeah, they are unlike Thor, trading sort of reasonably close to their 52-week high. I think not. You know, not. Not right at the 52-week high, but uh, they're not not a long ways off, and Thor is still basically cut in half from from where it was about 18 months ago. Quick shout out to Sprout Social for supporting today's show. What makes people love the brands they love? Connection, and social media is where they look for that connection. And Sprout Social gives businesses a unified solution to find, engage with, and nurture their audiences through social. In one intuitive platform, you can see and respond to every message, join the conversations happening around your brand, and turn rich social data into actionable insights. More than 25,000 organizations around the globe use Sprout to create real connections. So, no matter the size of your organization or the scale of your social efforts, and let's face it, a lot of small businesses, the scale of the social efforts are, you know, it's usually a side of desk thing. Sprout has you covered when you need to deliver and measure valuable content, learn deeper insights about your audience, and nurture relationships with your customers. To learn how your brand can create real connection, visit SproutSocial.com slash fool today. That's SproutSocial.com slash fool. Check it out. What do you got to lose? Uh, one correction from yesterday's show. Uh, shout out and thank you to Mark in Illinois, who was the first listener to alert me to the fact that the story that Bill Mann and I discussed yesterday regarding the Bombay Sapphire Gin, uh, essentially having double the amount of alcohol in the bottles, uh, that story was from 2017. So, you know, the lesson there is um, I need to fact check the information that Bill Mann sends me. The fact checker has been sacked, I assume. Um, the show fact checker. I mean, that's me. Essentially. <laughs> so, uh, so again, you know, lesson learned. Uh, when Bill's like, "Hey, this would be fun to talk about," you know, actually look at the date on the story, carbon date the story. You're, you're throwing him under the bus on this one. No, I'm just, I'm just telling folks it's what just happened. What it sounded like. I <laughs> no, no, I'm just telling folks what happened. He sent me the story. I didn't look as closely as I should have. Now that said. It still doesn't take away from the fact that that's one of the more fantastic stories that we've had on the show in the last couple of years. I say it's an invitation for listeners to say, "Hey, Chris, I got some old news for you to cover." <laughs> right? And you're like, "Yeah, we do that here now." Yeah. Apparently, that's a thing. It's when like, Bill Mann's on the show, like, just uh, send it to him. Just hop in the Wayback Machine. Um, yeah. Anyway, uh, onto the toy industry and shares of Mattel are down this morning on the news that MGA Entertainment, which is a private company, um, MGA has toys that are really aimed at much younger kids. Their best known brand is probably the Bratz dolls. Um, MGA, uh, MGA Entertainment has tried in the past to acquire Mattel. Um, this is their second attempt. And they've basically given up. So the news is MGA is basically moving on from this second attempt to acquire Mattel and share some, as they have been wont to do on many occasions over the last few years, shares of Mattel are down. Yeah, and uh, MGA 
pointed out in uh, at least in an article where there are some quotes uh, published by the street.com um, th- that uh, there is Mattel's got four billion in debt and there's a major legal liability related to um, the Fisher Price rock and play sleeper uh, and that there's just too much mess to clean up there which sounds kind of like I don't know uh, you know a jilted uh, pursuer uh, like ah didn't want that any didn't want her anyway. She's got all these problems, you know. After being rejected twice, uh, I think that now uh, MGA is noting all the reasons why they wouldn't have wanted Mattel anyway. That's, I mean, that's entirely possible. I, I just look at, you know, we don't know MGA's financials because they're a private company. I just look at Mattel over the last few years, and that is a stock chart that is just down, steadily down and to the right. I mean, it is a quarter of the of the size it was five years ago, um, and so I get that you know that this didn't work out, but I don't know how much longer Mattel can keep going like this. Yeah, I, I guess I'm in the camp of those that assume that sooner or later Hasbro will acquire Mattel, uh, just because uh, it's got some great brands uh, after all the mistakes that it's made. Still, uh, it's got a number of enduring brands that, if you can just put it in the hands of uh, some good management, which Hasbro certainly has, uh, might uh, revive this company. Um, but you know, in the meantime, I think Mattel is continuing to give the Heisman to suitors, and it's, uh, as you say, down and to the right is, is the pattern for it the actually, stock chart. I, I think Hasbro is probably the, uh, the safe bet in terms of, you know, if we know for certain that in the next two years, Company X buys Mattel, I think Hasbro is, is probably the safe bet. It actually wouldn't surprise me if it was a company like Walmart. Um, because when you look at the way Walmart has incorporated uh, the acquisitions it's made in terms of different brands, um, as you say, Mattel has some brand equity there, um, and in the hands of the right management. And certainly with Walmart, they've got uh, as good a distribution network as you're going to see. Um, I think that's certainly on the. I would put them on the short list as well. Yeah, I mean to give. Some numbers around uh, Mattel and and where it's gone as a stock. It's about at the same price it was in 1992, <laughs> which, again, wow. for those out there having trouble with math, was uh, 27 years ago. Just to help you out, I appreciate that. that. Thank you. <laughs> I always appreciate help with math. Uh, and I, you know, they've they've got problems. They've got uh, they've got a future given uh, given all these brands, things that are, and you know, go back to uh, let's see, about nineteen ninety. It was higher, much higher in nineteen ninety nine when um, Toy Story came out, the original one, right, um, which featured a lot of uh, great Mattel uh, work by uh, some great work by a lot of Mattel's characters. <laughs> Fantastic, yes. Uh, Toy Story 4 opening this weekend. Uh, I can't say I'm going to be going opening weekend, also because my kids are older. But I, it, it wouldn't surprise me if they were like, yeah, no, let's let's go see this. Maybe not opening weekend, because I think right now, Toy Story 4, you know, for, for anyone, for any 
Disney shareholders who got slightly nervous at the train wreck of an opening that Dark Phoenix had. Ah, fear not, because here comes Toy Story 4, which is projected to do at least, I think, somewhere in the neighborhood of $200 million at the box office opening weekend. Um, you know, they're certainly doing a lot of promotional work around it, but as you were saying earlier this morning, the voice talent that they've got, I mean, this is now a franchise that. Pixar strikes me as one of those companies that if 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 they went to anyone and just said, "Hey, would you would you come do three lines in a studio?" For this, anyone's going to say yes to this. And the voice talent that they've got for this one, I mean, it's not just sort of the usual suspects with you know Tom Hanks and you know and company, but um, you know Jordan Peele, Keegan Michael Key, uh, Christina Hendricks. Um, you were telling me I, I was unaware of the fact that um, they've got. They, Talk got, about the Wayback Machine. They've got Carl Reiner and Carol Burnett and Betty White and Mel Brooks. Um, it's really, uh, I mean, they they are locking up like uh, you know the Mount Rushmore of, of great comedians, <laughs> which would include for many Mel Brooks and I mean uh, and and Carl Reiner and Carol Burnett and um, uh, Betty White has had a, a hell of a second, third, and fourth act uh, for her career uh, in the last ten years. Although great for decades before that as well, and I think that expands the audience quite a bit. Even if they uh, are all just showing up for a couple of lines, boy, you know the the uh, talk shows will eat up any appearance uh, uh, to promote this that uh, Betty White or, or Mel Brooks might might show up for. What do they do for? I, I, I'm asking you like I'm expecting you to have the answer, and I don't expect you to have the answer. But this I'll is ask. a first. I <laughs> didn't know this was ever going to happen I'll, for me on this show. I'll ask anyway. Do you know what they did in terms of replacing Don Rickles, Mr. Warmth? I do. Oh, I do okay. know what they done. They are using archived uh, audio. Oh, really? Oh, yeah. fantastic! Because I mean. Don Rickles, that's 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 a really tough voice to replace. That is very tough to replace. And uh, no, I, from the, I take this from the Wikipedia page, uh, which has got this great chart of all the different people that have done the the voices for everybody uh, over all the years, and they're all these um, sort of additional non theater released parts of toy story sh- shorts and and sort of uh pieces that were uh, maybe a, a holiday special or something so that you can see who did the the voices for for those because it wasn't the big stars um but uh it's it, it it's remarkable the depth here and um it'll be nice to get a last little bit from from Don Rickles um you know what? Now I'm seriously considering going opening weekend. Um, in part because uh, I'm looking forward to uh, Key and Peel as sort of the the, the plushy uh, toys, and then uh, Keanu Reeves to go back to Canada, hopefully to make up in some small way for yesterday's mistake with the Canada story being two years old. Uh, Keanu Reeves voices a character named Duke Kaboom, who is Canada's greatest stuntman. That alone, that alone is that alone has admission. me thinking about plunking down whatever a movie costs these days. I think it's fifty-eight dollars for a single ticket. But yeah, but you can expense that because it's a research a little for thing your we show. like to call research. Yeah, God, you got a budget for that. I right? knew I had you in here for a reason. <laughs>
you can read more from Bill Barker and his colleagues. Go to mfamfunds.com. Thanks for being here. Thanks for having me. As always, people on the program may have interest in the stocks they talk about on The Motley Fool, may have formal recommendations for or against. So, don't buy or sell stocks based solely on what you hear. That's going to do it for this edition of Market Foolery. The show is mixed by Dan Boyd. I'm Chris Hill. Thanks for listening. We'll see you tomorrow.